0: felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. (laughs) We're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. By the end of Resurrection Sunday, that first Easter day when Jesus was risen from the dead, uh, by the end of that day, there were a lot of people talking about Jesus. And they were very excited because they finally realized that, indeed, Jesus was alive and had risen and had overcome the tomb and death itself. And they had a lot to celebrate because of that. If you look at what happened that evening, uh, the two people who had been talking to Jesus on the road to Emmaus finally recognized that it was him when he broke the bread at the dinner table. And when they realized it was him, they ran back to Jerusalem to find the disciples to let them know what had happened to them along the way. And when they got back to Jerusalem and found the disciples in the upper room, they were also, the disciples were also excited, uh, proclaiming that Jesus had risen. And the reason that they had finally believed it is because Peter himself had been visited by Jesus personally. And Peter himself had seen Jesus in person, and apparently there was some forgiveness from Jesus for Peter's denial. So in that upper room that night, there was a lot of joy, and even more so when Jesus himself appeared among them. That's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. (music) So let's go in here because uh, we have a little bit of time, and I wanted to show you a couple of things uh, here that uh, I thought were really cool. So Road to Emmaus, uh, Luke 24, and uh, I'm going to read it from the beginning. I'm not going to do a lot of commentary. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit, but uh, until we get to the part we haven't talked about yet, then we'll have to go a little bit more in depth. But So Luke 24, 13, Luke writes, Now that same day, which is on Resurrection Day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Um, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were uh, kept from recognizing him. Uh, He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Because he could tell they were in a serious discussion. Uh, They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And I just want to make a quick comment about that um, and show you something that's really kind of interesting and cool. We said before when we read that verse that uh, what Luke wants us to see here is that Jesus wasn't just well known among his followers. He wasn't just well known among the disciples and the women who followed him. He wasn't just well. He was well known by everybody. Everybody knew about Jesus. The religious leaders knew about him. The Romans knew about him. Uh, The whole world of that day uh, that were who were in that area knew about uh, knew about Jesus. This was for like we said before. Uh, they they're, they're, What they're saying to Jesus here is, how can you not know about these things that have, you know? It'd be like we said today, talking about someone who went the landing on the moon, and you're saying, someone landed on the moon, I didn't know that. That's how incredible it was. So uh, there's another part where that's illustrated beautifully. So if you want to go to Acts uh, chapter 26, uh, we're going to see here Paul uh, making the same claim. Uh, that Luke makes here. So Acts 26, uh, verse 19, Paul has been thrown in prison, and here he's making a defense of himself before King Agrippa and Festus. So verse 19, so then, this is Paul talking, so then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven that was on his road to Damascus, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing uh, beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. So first of all, he is doing here, exactly what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. He says, I testify to small and great and alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. So where did Paul learn this? Well, wouldn't it be something if Paul learned this from the two who had been on the road to Emmaus? We talked about, right, that Jesus wanted to teach them. He didn't reveal himself to them immediately as himself, because he wanted to spend time with them teaching them. Why? so they could become students. Teachers love it when their students become teachers, right? And so he taught these two on the road to Emmaus so they could learn and teach others. Wouldn't it be so cool if Paul learned from those two how to prove Jesus as Messiah? From Because it's exactly what it says that Jesus did from Moses and the prophets. He talked about himself, and here is Paul saying he did the same thing. How did you learn to do it? I like to think he learned it from the two on the road to Emmaus. Verse 23, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Verse 24, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul. Why is he out of his mind Because he claimed that Jesus had died and rose again? Your great learning is driving you insane. Uh, Verse 25, I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king, meaning King Agrippa, who actually lived in that area, the king is familiar with these things, and I have to speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. So Paul makes the same defense here to King Agrippa and Festus that the two were making to Jesus along the right way. What Jesus did was not done in a corner. It was not done secretly. Everybody knows this. How can you not know it? So. Okay, so let's go on. Um, So Jesus says, what things? They say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be uh, um, sentenced to death, and they crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So it's interesting here to me that they say he was a prophet, like that's a fact, and we had hoped that he would be the Messiah who would redeem Israel. So at this point, what they're saying is we know he was a prophet, but we're not so convinced now that he was the Messiah. We had hoped he would be. So they didn't say he was a prophet and he was the Messiah sent to redeem Israel. They say he was a prophet. That's like a done deal. That's a definite thing. And as as Messiah, we hoped he would be, but at this point, we're we're not going to stand on that with any confidence at this point in time. So that's interesting that he was a prophet. We had hoped he would be uh, also redeem Israel as the Messiah. And he also says, when it says the chief priests and our rulers had handed him over to be sentenced to death, handed over to the Romans, and it says, and they crucified him. I think the they there is referring to who? Who do you think that they, he says, they sentenced him to death. I think it was he's saying they were the chief priests and the religious rulers because they handed him over to the Romans to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. I think you could, you could say, well, is he talking about the Romans that they crucified him or that the rulers and the priests crucified Or that they all crucified him. Maybe it was one, maybe it was all, but uh, definitely they also did blame, I think, the religious leaders and uh, their chief priests as, as Jesus was crucified. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So there we have the women. We have Mary Magdalene included in that. And now we have also... Peter and John. Verse 25, he said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's what Paul does, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther but they urged him strongly. They constrained him. They almost physically tackled him and said, Don't go! (laughs) Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Uh, They recognized this from maybe from the feeding of the 5,000. Perhaps that would make sense. Verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, And they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Of course. And then verse uh, uh, 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So a couple hours down, or three, and now they're running back uh, to Jerusalem to tell everyone what, what happened to them on the road. And when they got to Emmaus... There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Now, for years I read that wrong. For years and years I read this wrong. So I thought what they were saying here in verse 33 was, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, the two on the road to Emmaus, There they got to Jerusalem, they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and I read this as the two who were on the road, that they said to the group, that the disciples who were there, that they were talking and said, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. In other words, they were saying that the Lord, that Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking on the road to Emmaus, and has appeared to us, and we know that one was named Cleopas, and I thought, well, the other guy's named Simon, and they're proclaiming this to the ones who were there. But that's not what it is. It's exactly the opposite of that. So what is actually happening is here is the two get there, they come back to Jerusalem, they get up to into the room where the disciples and those others are there, and before they can even tell what happened to them, before they can even tell people what happened, these guys, what happened to them on the road to Emmaus, those. Those, someone there has has news for them, something that they have missed while they've been on the road to Emmaus. And they say to these two, "It is true exclamation point, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon, who is Peter, right? So they're actually, before these two can even begin to tell what happened to them on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them and broke the bread, before they even get a word out ends wise These guys are celebrating, they're having a big party, they're excited, and they say, you're not going to believe it. But Jesus appeared to Peter. He has appeared to Simon. And what do they say? So it's true. They didn't believe it when the women said it. They didn't believe it when Mary Magdalene said it. They hardly believed it when Jesus said it on the way, on the road. But because Peter said it, now it's true. And now they finally believe it. Now, when did Jesus appear to Peter? Well, nobody knew. That is not in the Bible. Uh, Assuming the timing of this is that he probably appeared to Peter. Obviously, after Peter left the tomb, to know Peter left the tomb, he was still confused, and he went home. And before he appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus, so sometime probably in that window, after the tomb, before the road to Emmaus, Jesus appeared to Peter. And, and what transpired in that meeting is known only to those two. But Paul did write a little bit about it. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives at least a little bit, at least a little glimpse of it. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Paul is, is, again, he's, he's witnessing about uh, himself, and he says, starting in verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as the first importance. The most important thing is that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, then that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Again, here's Paul saying He died, what the Scriptures said, and he rose on the third day like the Scriptures said. So he's all about teaching about Christ from the scriptures, verse 5, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. That's all he says. So I don't know if Paul knew more about it or not. Maybe he didn't. Probably not, I'm thinking. But at some point on Resurrection Day, Jesus appeared to Peter personally and, you know, forgave him and said, Peter, it's okay. You denied me. It's okay. You know, I still love whatever whatever it was. I don't know. But 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 Peter then after that ran to find the other disciples and said, "It's true! It's true!" And then everyone believed Peter because it was Peter after all. So then in verse thirty five, then the, then after they were told that the two told what had happened on the way to Emmaus and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the brick. So they were like, oh, yeah? Well, you think that's something. You think Peter, you think that's something. Wait to hear what happened to us. And then they tell the whole thing about what happened on the road to Emmaus. And I just think, you know, it's a reminder for us that everyone that day, on Resurrection Day, was telling what had happened to them. You know, the women told what had happened to them. Mary Magdalene told what happened to them. Peter comes tells what happened to him. The two on the road to Emmaus come and tell what happened to them. And I think that the message for us is we need to tell what happened to us. You know, uh, you don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to know the Bible backwards and forwards. You don't, know how to read, you don't need to know how to read the Greek or the Hebrew. Uh, all you need to do is tell what happened to you. And that is the most powerful thing that brings people to Christ is, hey, no, this is what Jesus did for me. This is how he changed my life. This is how I uh, engage with Jesus. This is what happened. And uh, by doing that, you know, you tell the story in a more effective way than you can imagine. So, yeah, great. question. This may be a dumb question. There's no dumb question. How men that were on the do they ever are they ever mentioned again? No. That's what I thought. So only Peter. Peter's the one that, that they really believe. They don't. Did I mean, we run into other people named Cleopas, other people who have that same name, but not necessarily the same person. Well, right? I'm saying that yeah. they came back and said this, but it doesn't necessarily believe that everyone will them. You know what I'm saying? Well, but, but, but everyone in that room believes because it says, it, they say, well, the only one. We know that Thomas wasn't here, apparently. Thomas didn't believe it, because Thomas is comes later. You know, Thomas says, i got to sit with my own team. T- but Jesus t- t- appeared right after. Yeah, so but certainly everyone in that room that day said it is true. They all did believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, for sure. Yeah. Well, they didn't he was risen from the dead, but they didn't necessarily
1: believe. I think at that point
0: they did believe that he was Messiah. Yeah. yeah but they didn't necessarily believe that he really had appeared to be the other God. Well, no, because they hadn't told their story yet. But they did in verse 35, they did. They did eventually mm-hmm. tell their story in verse Well, certain. What had happened on the road the mm-hmm. was known to them at the, the brim. Right. Then they're never mentioned again. Right. And it doesn't say, as, the, as the, everybody did say, oh, oh. I think we're just assuming. I think we're just assuming that everyone we're believed it. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I, it might not, because he doesn't think that Paul ever mentions them. He mentions Cephas, he mentions Peter, but he doesn't, he doesn't ever. Think well, I think it's because, you know, like, like a lot of. Like a lot of us, is that, you know, they weren't one of the disciples. They, they, so, you know, maybe they weren't considered as important or their story is important, but, but Luke certainly, and it was important, and that's why he, so Luke, uh, he, he learned all of this by talking to the people who were there. So someone who was there said, Oh, yeah, let me tell you the story, Luke. There were these two guys on the road to Emmaus. So it did make an impact on some of them, and enough for them to be included in Luke's story. Right, right. But, but Luke, and we talked about all throughout, uh, talking about Luke's account of the resurrection, Luke is constantly reminding us that this is bigger this is a bigger thing. This is more people. This had made a bigger impact, you know, and talking about how can you not know these things happen? And and these two did, you know, go on the road to, and they came back, and they were involved. So uh, it, this fits in well with Luke's kind of uh, theology of letting us know through the way he writes his account that it was meaningful, but it was also... It was a big thing. It was bigger than we might have imagined. We need make more of it than what it is, and we yeah. don't need to spend any more time on it. But yeah. oh, I guess my, my point still remains. Luke would be gathered every single little bit of Yeah, the That's what he, he does. He be gathered to yeah. this. But it doesn't necessarily mean the others went along with it, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why Luke would say, oh, and then there were two other guys. Why Paul would be saying it? He, he just says Cephas. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because they weren't Peter. <laughs> In other words, if you're going to hit the highlights, you know, you're going to say, I want you to know what Peter said. These other two are minor characters, but, you know, Peter was the important one. I mean, you know, so even Luke didn't write everything down that he was told. He had to pick and choose, you know, and Paul too, probably so, because Paul's just giving a quick defense of himself and not doing all the, Paul at that point wasn't writing a history. He was just uh, defending himself before uh, before others so. Any other uh, thoughts or insights or ideas or questions? Or Stan? I wondered about that same I Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the um, so Paul gives this. that's not a, really um, that, that, that's that's that, 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 totally, really, really, Decision or and even that we well, had to extrapolate a little bit because you narrative. I'm story, I don't tell it to you that way. i you a narrative, I tell you a so Well, I think we're just getting the beginning of it. And like Grady said, we're not getting all of it. And I think at some point, when things settled down, they began to share what Jesus said to them and taught them. And, you know, then others began to learn it and to teach it too and to, and to understand it and to grasp it themselves. And the reason they didn't write it all down was because that wasn't really the tradition of that day. It was, a, it was an oral tradition, and stories were told orally and you listened, and you remembered, and you memorized, and then you told the story, and then the next generation remembered. It wasn't until later on that things really started to get you know, uh, written down like like those kinds of stories. And besides, all of the things that they were referring to in the Old Testament were well known to them. They were already written down. And so all Jesus did was put the pieces together for them. He put the jigsaw puzzle together, which brings up a good point. What do you think— that Jesus, what, what are the things that, what are some of the things you think in the Old Testament that Jesus might have used to teach them? Uh, Dennis said last time, which was very insightful, that my goodness, Jesus could have just started with the Feast of the Lord, which we talked about in this class for quite some time. All he will do is, and he's coming right, they're coming right out of Passover, it just happened. Hey, you know what, Passover that was about me, and 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 the next day is uh, is the uh, the, the one Sunday when this happened, is the Feast of First Fruits. Which, hey, you know, the Feast of First Fruits, that's about me. And they're just now starting the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which went for seven days. And just, no, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we're doing now, too, that's about me. So he could have just started with where they were. Hey, you know what? We're in this time of Passover, First Fruits, Feast of Unleavened Bread, all that. That's all about me. You know, and then he could have gone on to say, you know, hey, Psalm 22. Have you ever read Psalm 22? Psalm 22, it's all about me. Isaiah 53, you ever read Isaiah 53? Isaiah 53, that's all about me. And these are brought down from their tradition that they knew They knew by heart, and now they're saying, oh my goodness, of course that's all about you. And another thing, you know, like Moses, I mean, just one story off the top of my head, is when the poisonous snakes were biting and killing all the Israelites in the, in the wilderness, and uh, God said to Moses, make a bronze snake and put it on a pole and lift it up. And what would happen if you looked at that snake and believed and had faith that by looking at that snake, you were not going to be poisoned and killed by those snakes, then you were saved physically. And that is just a a, a symbol of what would happen later. Jesus being raised up. The snake was raised up. The snake was on a pole. Jesus was on a wooden cross. If you looked up to the snake you were saved physically and believed. If you looked up at the cross and saw Jesus and believed, you were saved spiritually. So here's this thing that Jesus could have said, remember Moses and the bronze snake? That's me. And they would have said, oh my gosh, of course that's you. And so these are all some of them, but then there were much more. I mean, you could, maybe you talked about in the book of Daniel, where Daniel has that vision of the, uh, the, the statue. And at the end, this rock cut without human hands smashes and destroys uh, the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, you know, that rock, that's me. So there are so many things that he could have explained to them. And they didn't to write that down because they could remember it as oral tradition. They already knew the Old Testament scriptures. And now they just put the pieces together and said, of course, that's about Jesus. Did you know that? And then they could teach others about that. So... That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today, and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.